Good morning again. If you would please take your Bibles, open them up to the book of Romans chapter 10. If you're using one of the pew Bibles, it's going to be on page 946, Romans chapter 10. While you're turning there, I want to ask you a question. I want to give you something to think about. And that question is is this. Uh, Who was it in your life that helped lead you to the Lord? Who was instrumental in your life that spoke the word of truth, who spoke the gospel to you, that was important and a key figure in your life that that led you to faith? I know for me, it was was my parents. I I grew up in a Christian household. My parents read the Bible to me at night. Uh, Hymns were oftentimes sung in my house or whistled or hummed while doing dishes. Uh, They were always explaining the faith to us, teaching us. Uh, I, I don't consider myself to be old, but I keep finding myself saying back in the day. Uh, So back in the day uh, when I was growing up, uh, church wasn't just a one-time event per week. We actually went to church three different times. We'd go to Sunday morning, go to Sunday evening, we'd go Wednesday night, uh, and you also had Sunday school on there, so I guess you could say there were four things going on per week. Man, it wasn't a day that the church wasn't open that my parents didn't have me there uh, hearing the word. Uh, And so as as I think about my life, especially growing up, and I think, uh, what was it that, that led me to faith in the Lord besides just the Spirit of God calling me? It, I, I think it, the, it's the truth of this, that for me it was the steady and consistent exposure to the truth of God's Word. Uh, and over time, it was just like, well, yeah, of course, this is, this is what I believe. This, this is my faith. The passage that we are reading this morning answers the question of what needs to happen in order for someone to be saved. What needs to happen in a person's life in order for someone to be saved, in order for them to call upon the name of the Lord. So we're going to be in Romans chapter 10, and we're going to be reading verses 13 through 21. Verse 13. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on Him and whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him and whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. But I ask, have they not heard? Indeed, they have. For their voice has gone out to all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. But I ask, did Israel not understand? First, Moses says, I will make you jealous of those who are not a nation. With a foolish nation, I will make you angry. Then Isaiah is so bold to say, I have been found by those who did not seek me. I have shown shown myself to those who do not ask for me. But of Israel, he says, all day long, I have held out my hands to a disobedient and a contrary people. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, your word tells us that whenever your word is read, wherever it's proclaimed, wherever it is is given, Lord, that, that it does not return void, it does not return empty. So, Father, it's my prayer today that as your words are read, as we expound upon them, Lord, that your Spirit will do 
his work in our hearts and our minds, that we will be called to you. Lord, that if you convict us, that we will repent. Where we are discouraged, Lord, we will be encouraged. Where we have no, no purpose in life, that you will give us purpose. That you will give us direction, Lord, where we seem to be lost. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning we are continuing on in our series in Romans. And we're talking about especially this verse in verse 13, Romans chapter 10, verse 13, where he says, For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And so we really want to look at that, that statement. And from verses 14 through 17, Paul kind of explains what has to happen in a person's life in order for them to call upon the name of the Lord. So he works in descending order, so starts at the moment of someone calling on the name of the Lord, and he works backwards of what has to happen. So we're going to do the same thing in in our sermon today, explaining what has to happen for someone to call upon the name of the Lord to be saved. And what we see is in verse 14 that the first thing that has to happen in a person's life in order for them to call upon the name of the Lord to be saved is that there must be belief. He says in verse 14, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? He's kind of reiterating the point that he made back in verse 9 of chapter 10, where he says, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So what we see here in Romans chapter 10 and verse 9, and then once again in verse 14, that in order for someone to call upon the name of the Lord, for someone to be saved, one of the things that has to exist and has to happen in a person is that there has to be a belief. There has to believe a belief in that the fact that Jesus is Lord, and there has to believe be a belief that Jesus uh, was risen from the dead, according to verse nine. And, and so, this we want to take a moment at both of these two statements. First, that Jesus is Lord it says you have to confess that Jesus is Lord. This word Lord is in the Greek Kyrios, and it literally means Lord. But in, in, in the ancient days, it was a term given to gods. And it was a term given to, to people who were sovereign over all. So in Jesus' day, this word Kyrios, or Lord, was given to Caesar. Because Caesar was viewed as a god, and Caesar was viewed as all sovereign over his nation, over the known world at the time. And so you can imagine how treacherous it would be for Christians who were under the reign of Caesar to go around saying, well, Caesar isn't Lord. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is the, truly the, the man who is also God. Jesus is truly the one who is sovereign over all of our lives. And when we proclaim Jesus as Lord, what this is really happening and what we're doing when we're proclaiming Jesus as Lord is this is an act of repentance in our life. It's a way of turning from our own selves and turning towards God. Before we declare Jesus as Lord, what every single human does is we like to declare ourselves Lord. We like to basically say, you know what, I am in control of my life. I am sovereign in my life. I make my own decisions in my life, and I'm going to do what I want to do. Essentially what we're doing, we're saying, I'm Lord. And when we call upon the name of the Lord to be saved, what we're doing is we're saying, I am no longer going to follow what I want to do. I'm not going to make my priorities ultimate but I am going to shift over to Jesus, and Jesus is going to be my Lord. 
It means that we are going to start pursuing Christ, and it means that we are going to start obeying the words of Christ. Obeying the words of Christ means not only obeying what we like in Scripture, but it also means obeying what we struggle with in Scripture. Let me, let me illustrate this a little bit. I, I've got four kids now. My youngest is, is, is uh, two months old. He's quite disobedient. Uh, doesn't listen to me at all, but uh, you know, what can you do? But when I call my kids to do something and I tell them to do something, is it true obedience if they're wanting to do what I'm calling them to do? So if I say, hey, kids, come to the table and let's eat ice cream, they kind of want to do that. So they obey quickly. But if I say, hey, kids, um, it's time to go out to the backyard and I want you to clean out the chicken coop, they might not want to do that. They, they don't want to rake that out. So they, they might put up some resistance to that. So o- obedience is oftentimes even doing what we don't want to do. Uh, so it's, it's kind of a realignment of who we are. There are going to be things in Scripture that when we first come to faith in Christ that we struggle with. That we're like, man, I'm not sure if I get this. I'm not sure if I agree with it. But when we declare Jesus is Lord, we're saying, I am submitting my life. I'm submitting my goals. I'm submitting my purposes to the purposes of Christ. It means whenever I disagree with the Bible, it's me saying, you know what? I must be the one that's wrong and the Bible is right. That's what it means to declare Jesus as Lord. It's submitting ourselves to our Lord Jesus Christ, to his commands, to his laws. It's believing, it's believing in that, according to verse 9, that Jesus was risen from the dead. This is kind of a summary statement for all of Jesus' life. So in order to call upon the name of the Lord, we have to believe in Jesus. It's a belief that he came, a belief that Jesus lived a perfect life, It's a belief that when Jesus died on the cross, we acknowledge the fact that Jesus took the punishment for our sins. And it's the belief that Jesus did not stay dead. But on the third day, he rose again. His resurrection is a picture of how he has overcome death and how he has defeated sin and how how Jesus' taking our punishment was acceptable. That's what it's a belief in. So in order to call upon the name of the Lord and be saved, we have to declare Jesus as Lord. We have to turn from ourselves, and we have to believe in Jesus. And until that happens, we cannot call upon the name of the Lord to be saved. So we're going to work this in progression. In order to be saved, we have to call upon the name of the Lord. In order to call upon the name of the Lord, we have to believe. What has to happen before we believe? Simply, to believe, we must hear. Once again, we see this in verse 14. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him in whom they've never heard? So in order to call upon the name of the Lord, we have to believe in the Lord. In order to believe in the Lord, we have to hear about the Lord. We have to hear every human being, every person has to hear about their own personal brokenness how there's something not right in the world, how our world is broken, but also how we are also broken within us. We have to know and we have to hear about our need for a Savior. Yeah, I just got back from a, a, a sixth grade retreat where I, I got to preach for like a week with a bunch of sixth graders. It was awesome. Um, 
And one of the things I kept reiterating to them is, man, we can't be saved until we realize we have a need for a Savior. If we think we are good on our own, if we don't think we need saving, then, then we're not going to reach out for the Savior who can save us. So we have to not only see our brokenness, we have to see our need for a Savior. The fact that we cannot save ourselves. We cannot be our own Savior. And I think we also need to hear this hope of restoration. That when Jesus dies for our sin, and one day when Jesus comes back, he's going to set things right. Our brokenness, he is already starting to mend that in our own lives. And when Christ returns, he's going to re- fully restore us, but also this world that we live in. There is, there is a hope that Jesus is bringing with him. And we need to hear those things in order to believe. I think one of the places we, we can hear of the hope of Jesus one of the places we can hear our need for a Savior, one of the places where we can learn these things is at church. I think I told you a little bit earlier that, man, my parents always had me in church three nights a week, uh, three days a week, man, we, we were there. Uh, and it was, that, it was that exposure week in and week out to the Word. It was the exposure uh, that helped lead me to the Lord. So one of the questions I have for you this morning is, who is it that you're inviting to church? Um, I think we need to be thinking about our days. Where are we? Who do we run into? And think, man, who, who could I invite to come hear the word preached on Sunday? We try and do things every now and again. We, we have invitation cards in the back that you can give to somebody so that they can, they can have the service times and the address. But I really encourage you to say, man, let's, let's go grab breakfast somewhere on Sunday morning. Then we'll hit up the 1030 service. Uh, I always like the waffle bin. You can't, you can't beat that, right? But I mean, you, you go and you, you meet somebody and then you just come with them to church or you meet them at Starbucks or, or you, you pick them up at their house. You say, man, let's go to church together. Let's make an event. But be thinking about who you can invite to church so that the word might be heard. So in order for someone to be saved, they must call upon the name of the Lord. In order for them to call upon the name of the Lord, they must believe in Jesus in order for them to believe in Jesus, they must hear about Jesus. How do they hear about Jesus? To hear about Jesus, somebody has to share. I wanted to divide these points and applications up a little bit because, yes, I think we need to be inviting people to church, but I have to say that is not the most important way people hear about Jesus. The most important way people hear about Jesus is not through a pastor or a preacher or a paid minister, the most important way people hear about Jesus is from people that they share their life with. It's from co-workers, it's from friends, it's from neighbors, and, and it's through the proclamation of the word through those people that people hear about Jesus. One of our core values at Grace Bible Church, if, if you're new here, if you've been here a while, one of the things we want you to know is that we have a core value in our church that every member is a minister. Every member is a minister. Every member is, is a missionary. And it's the job of every member to go out and to share Christ with other people. Whenever, whenever I was preparing this sermon, I thought, man, we just need to share some stories from our church. Uh, and I thought, ooh, how am I going to do that? And, and just after about two minutes of thinking and asking, I, I, had, I had a list of stories I could share. It was almost like finding rocks in Central Texas. You just walk outside, oh, there's one right there. Um, <laughs> just stories of people who are actually sharing their faith in our congregation. And I try to get a spectrum of young, old, male, female, 
married, single. First one's from Josiah, age five, at school. His mom posted this on Facebook, and I, I asked her permission. They said, yeah, I'll go ahead and share it. Josiah was telling his mom in the car, my friend in class said he doesn't know who God is, so I told him all about him. How sweet and how precious is that? The five-year-old is fulfilling the call of Jesus on every believer and telling his classmates about who God is. I have another member in our congregation named Brian Smith. Brian came to faith not that long ago. And one of the first things he did whenever he came to faith in Christ is he made a list of other soldiers and other uh, people he knew that needed Jesus. And he committed himself to working his way down the list, sharing his faith with those people. A lady in our church, Angie Keasley, works at a local hospital, and she has a co-worker who has uh, some, some uh, confusion about the faith. And so she is in these spiritual conversations with her co-worker, trying to help uh, these misconceptions that this, this co-worker has about the faith. She's having these conversations with her. Um, Steve Guess, a member of our congregation, worked at a bank. Uh, he was a notary there, and so when people would come in, oftentimes they would share stories a little bit. And he would always say, well, man, you, you want to pray about this? You mind if I pray for you about this? And he said, you know what? No one ever said no to prayer. Whether they believed in Jesus or didn't believe in Jesus, if he said, man, you, you, can I pray about this? They'd say, yeah, sure, go ahead. One guy in particular he told me about came in with his mental condition. It was pretty, pretty bad. Uh, so Steve was able to pray with him. Uh, and he said, you mean you mind if I put you in my phone so I can pray for you? And so they exchanged numbers uh, And then, you know, a phone call later, they were able to meet up outside of that official meeting uh, and able to kind of help each other and walk through each other through some hard times. But able to share the word of faith. I I wanted to share these stories with you so that you know that sharing the word of truth, sharing the gospel is happening in our midst. It's happening in our congregation. It's happening a lot. And I want to encourage you, if you are doing it, and if, I, if you're not doing it, I want you to be encouraged by those people around you who are doing it. Because I do think there are things that keep us from sharing our faith. Certain fears that we have. I think we have the fear of what people will think of us. I think we all have in our mind this caricature uh, of a Christian who, who goes out and who offends everybody because he's, he's pushy with his beliefs. And we don't want to be that person. And so we hold off on sharing the gospel I think we have a fear of, of being asked a question that we don't know an answer to. I think we have a fear of somebody's response, that maybe they might reject me, maybe they might get angry, maybe that, maybe that they'll say, yes, and what do I do next? You know, we just have this fear of what's going to happen. But one of the things that Scripture says in 2 Timothy 1.17 is this, Paul telling young Timothy, in regards to sharing the gospel. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power, of love, and self-control. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. God has given us this job to go out and to share the gospel, to use our words, to have conversations, so that people can receive the good news, so that they can hear so that they can believe, so they can call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. This doesn't have to look like a presentation. It's like you don't have to pull out a pen and a napkin and draw a diagram about how they can be saved. 
People do that. You can do that. That's great. Lots of times it's just having spiritual conversations that direct people to the truth and that you can lead them to the truth in that way. Let me, let me give it a quick example of, of how I failed in this the other day. Um, it was about a week ago. I was at the Clean Courthouse. I think I told you last time I preached that I got a ticket for not quite coming to a stop at a, at a stoplight. Did my defensive driving, uh, got my stuff in the mail, went to the courthouse, and it, man, it was a great day. Like, I walked in there, I think I'm at a courthouse, but there was no line. I don't know if that's ever happened in the history of man, but I walked in there, there was no line, I pulled the ticket, I was the next guy up, and I sat down. I, I brought a book. I, I didn't even think I was going to have time to read. And about a minute later, another guy comes in looking confused. He was from California. Apparently in California, they have lines. Um, and he's like, man, where do I go to pay my ticket? I said, oh, well, this is, this is it. You're in the right spot. You grab a ticket over there by the door, sit down. There's just no line here. And, and me and this guy, we just started having a conversation. So you're from California. The military you're bringing here? No, no, I'm medically retired from being an electrician. I moved to Texas for the low cost of living. I was in Austin. And then I found out about Colleen and what people paid up here. So I moved up here to Colleen. But yeah, it's great. We love Colleen. Uh, and so we just had this long conversation. And then after probably about 20 minutes, they pulled my number. I went up, gave them my stuff, said goodbye to the guy on my way out the door. And as I was sitting in my car, I thought, what a golden opportunity I missed. I could have easily, through one or two questions, turned that conversation to a conversation about faith. The guy was an electrician. He was medically retired. I asked him how. He's like, oh, well, I'm an electrician. I worked on the big power lines, and I got electrocuted. How easy, even in a lighthearted way, to say, well, man, geez. Did you have a near-death experience? Did you see a light at the end of the tunnel? And once again, turning the conversation to one of faith, death, and I blew it. I think oftentimes when we share our faith, it's not about just sitting down, drawing out the whole picture of salvation on a napkin. Oftentimes it's taking simple conversations that we have every day, but having the mindset of how can I ask a question or two to make this a deeper conversation? We don't like deep conversations. We like superficial conversations.